Welcome to BDO in the Boardroom, a podcast series for board of directors and those charged with governance. Each episode features a topical discussion with board peers and subject matter experts on both trending and timeless boardroom issues, covering a myriad of issues including, but not limited to, mitigating risk in the increasingly digital world, navigating your board career, from landing your first board seat to succession planning in support of the next generation, to other top of mind issues such as ESG reporting, shareholder activism, and the insights we share through the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining BDO's podcast series, Getting to the Boardroom. I'm Nicole Ward-Parr, and in this series, I have the pleasure of hosting some of the most distinguished executives currently serving on public company boards to discuss their journeys and the paths that got them there. Today, I'd like to welcome C-Suite Executive and Public Company Board Member Yvonne Wassenaar. Yvonne is the CEO of Puppet, a trusted enterprise provider of IT automation software across traditional and cloud-native environments. She has more than 25 years of experience scaling companies globally and driving enterprise transformation with technology. Prior to Puppet, Yvonne served as CEO of Airware, CIO at New Relic, and held multiple leadership roles at VMware and Accenture. She is currently a board member of Forrester, Anaplanned, and Harvey Mudd College. Amidst growing concerns with how modern technology could be used, Yvonne is championing it to drive a safer, more efficient, and innovative planet. Yvonne, what an incredible background. Thank you so much for making the time to be with us today to talk about your path to the boardroom. Welcome. Thank you so much, Nicole, and thank you for doing this. I think there's never been a more important time than now um, to increase diversity in the boardroom and help others reach their highest levels. So thrilled to be here. Ah, oh, very good. Thank you so much. Great. Well, then let's let's jump into some questions. Um, I'd love to know, and I think the listeners would, when you were considering joining your first board, did you have a strategy? Did you think of specific approaches that you might take or use? Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. The I would say I've had a long and, and curvy path to my board service. And I think like many of us, it started with an idea and it was probably somewhat of a naive understanding of what board service even meant. But I looked at having combined background of consulting and being an operating executive in a company and I thought, wow, what a great set of skills to bring to the boardroom. Why don't I go do that? Um, What I learned on my journey is that you need to have a little bit more thought and perspective on what you want to do and why from a board perspective and even figuring out, do you want to be on a private company board or a public company board? So I went through a first phase of what I would call kind of early day education on what board service meant, what different types of boards represented. And when I really narrowed down to what I wanted to go after myself, what I uncovered was there are a few things that are critically important to crystallize. One is what type of board you want to serve on and why. The second is what is your unique value that you bring to that board. And the third is how are you going to get the right connections to get the opportunity to actually get that board seat. 
And so what I would say in my, my second phase of work, um, I really went out on building my credentials that could get me the type of board roles that I wanted. And then it wasn't until the third phase of work that I actually started to really buckle down on what was going to get me that board seat. And quite frankly, a lot of it is your network. Um, there's a lot of incredibly talented people out there. There's a lot of really, really good stories. There's a certain number of board seats. And so you really need to make sure that your name is getting on the list of the Nom and Gov Committee so that you can be considered, so that you can actually get that chance to sit in the boardroom. That's, I imagine, very helpful to our listeners. And, and when it comes to leveraging your network, you just mentioned, you know, being on the nomination committee. What other specific examples can you give of how you leverage your network to be what sounds like very intentional and strategic about your approach? There's a lot of elements of network that become really important when you're looking for a board opportunity. The most obvious one is the network that's going to help you get that you know, quote unquote, at bat, that opportunity to interview for a board seat and hopefully ultimately get it. The other type of network that you need to be thinking about is who's going to be your reference, who are going to be the back channel and the provided references. So when somebody is seriously considering you, that you get that board seat, you know, relative to some other candidate that's up. For me, I worked on both sides of that equation. What's really important and some great advice I got early on in terms of your network to help you find the board opportunities is being really clear at what you're looking for in your value proposition. One of my best coaches, Murray Cook, he actually told me very early on, he said, Yvonne, your greatest strength and your biggest weakness is you're good at everything. And that's not memorable. He said, so if you want it to be effective in your networking, you have to tell people specifically what you're good at because then they can, they can lock that in their mind. And when a company comes along looking for that skill, for that capability to add to their boardroom, they'll remember you. If you're good at everything, they don't have a bucket to put you in. And it sounds really trivial, but I found it to probably be one of the simplest and most important pieces of advice early on in my networking. Just be really crystal clear on, I'm looking to serve on a public company board of you know, an earlier stage company because I bring this value to that situation. That's memorable. On the flip side of it, you know, who's gonna be your back channel references or even the references that you provide? Most you know, boards are gonna do a fair amount of research on who you are and they're going to want to talk to people who know you. And part of your credibility in the boardroom is who can you put on that slate of individuals for them to talk to. So I started early on in talking to the people who were influential people in my career. So the Carl Eschenbach of the world, who was president and COO of VMware, John Chambers, who sat on one of my boards. I started talking early to them about my ambitions to serve in the boardroom so that when it came time to provide references, they were there to support me and advocate for me. And so I would say it's important to work on both sides. The latter part is probably not spoken about as much, but I would say it's critically important in actually clinching the spot. Well, that's a great takeaway because it sounds like you enrolled champions 
and mentors to guide you and then have them as references for you. And that is, that's a great angle. Um, that's, that's, that's very smart. And how did you identify once on a board, how did you identify areas where you felt like, oof, I'm lacking in that piece or, um, you know, or, or I need to enhance my skills in that way. Did you have any of those sort of aha moments? Absolutely. I think the, the thing that's interesting about board service, and I think part of what attracted me to doing work on boards is that it's, in some regards, the best form of executive education that one can get. Um, it's incredibly helpful to, you know, look at and help other executives navigate their business and their markets and their environments. And I would say from an experience standpoint, there's three buckets of things you need to know. First and foremost, you need to know what the special skill is that you bring into the boardroom. And so a, a CEO typically looks around the board table and has different roles of expertise that people want to collectively make up the right set of individuals in, on that board. So the first thing is, you know, you have that experience, but what do you have to add on it? And I would say there's two other areas that you need to think about. The, the second, in addition to your own expertise, is what, what, it, what does it mean to be on a board? What, what are the fiduciary responsibilities? What are the type of strategic questions that boards should be asking? And there's a lot of great resources um, that people can call on to self-educate on that. There's courses that you can take um, through different organizations, nonprofit, as well as um, you know, universities and the like. So getting really smart on what does it truly mean to be a board member versus an operating executive? And the third is understanding the industry and the business that the board you're going to serve on plays in. And for me, I cheated a little bit. I started off on boards that are in my area of expertise or experience, um, but I've definitely considered and, and have had opportunities to interview for boards, for example, in the industrial space. And, you know, if I go that route, I know people have done this, you know, they'll go back and they'll do courses on, you know, supply chain optimization or the pharmaceutical industry. So being thoughtful on what your skills are, what it means to be a board member, which has a different set of skills, and then what it means for that industry and that company's market dynamic space, kind of the functions that they have to be excellent at. Those are the three things that, that I found are really important to nail down. Great examples. And, you know, you mentioned uh, having the purview of both an operator uh, as well as a consultant and, uh, and that being good at everything uh, wasn't unique and that you needed to specialize on the front end in order to get on a board. But it would seem to me that having that operator and consulting experience would actually make you a double threat in the boardroom from a perspective and insight standpoint. Was that the case? Do you find that drawing from both of those perspectives has been a part of the value that you add? The blend of consulting and operating experience has certainly made my transition into the boardroom easier. And I do think to your comment, it's helped add to the value that I bring to the boardroom. And I'd say one of my biggest pieces of advice for people who've predominantly been in operating roles um, is take a step back and really focus on when you're going through board interviews and preparing for a board, 
thinking about the difference of showing up in that interview as somebody I, as a CEO, want to hire <laughs> to actually run a function, to, to do something, versus somebody who can be a strategic advisor um, and sounding board for me, in addition to the fiduciary responsibilities that are provided. And I would say, for me, having spent so many years as a strategy consultant, that ability to, to take in a lot of information and summarize out of that the key strategic questions and the most important questions to be asked is a skill that served me well. Um, it's not a requirement, but having a strategic mindset is most definitely a requirement. So I think on one hand, that's been really helpful. On the other, to your point about the operating side, um, it really matters to have empathy. And for me, I'm lucky in the sense that as a sitting CEO, I have a tremendous amount of empathy with the people whose boardrooms I sit in. And that is something that they value greatly because it's easy to sit around a table and pontificate a lot of wonderful ideas and things that one should be considering. But unless you know how hard it can be to actually move an organization or shift a market or, you know, what it feels like to, you know, have to do a layoff, unless you've actually sat in that seat, sometimes you don't necessarily appreciate the ask that you're making or suggesting. And so I do think both having that strategic mindset to be able to help surface up what are the most important strategic questions that the CEO needs to think about and the broader board needs to think about, as well as having that empathy and understanding of it's tough. Running a large organization is a hard job. And how can you be practical and have a sense of support and encouragement and assistance when, when the CEO needs that is equally important. That's such a, a key point. And I wonder if it doesn't reflect sort of the move to what we call the 21st century boardroom, or has it always been that way in the boardroom, that focus on empathy? Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, how the boardroom has changed. The, the boardroom has definitely changed on a number of fronts, and I, I think all for the best. Um, if you go back 20 years ago, you know, boards were more, you know, focused on the fiduciary kind of process and things that needed to happen. Um, they were more homogeneous in terms of how they were constructed, and in, in many regards, what I've heard in the conversations I've had in the last seven plus years on my own board journey is that what has changed is CEOs are looking not just for people to kind of rubber stamp and move process through, but really people who can challenge and support and encourage and help look around the corner and be more of a sounding board. And so to me, I think there's been a shift in the type of individuals from an experience standpoint that people want in the boardroom. I mean, you saw some of that with Sarbanes-Oxley and the big push to have more financial acumen. I think you're now seeing it with more um, desire and interest to have more technically minded individuals, CIOs, CISOs, and so forth as data privacy and, you know, all the different technologies are, are coming forward and cybersecurity is such a hot topic. So you're starting to see this different set of skills that people want around the table. 
and I think not spoken about as much, but definitely true, is the dynamic in the boardroom. And empathy is certainly one piece. Um, but even more of that collaborative engagement to explore issues and questions at a deeper level that's not necessarily combative or kind of all, you know, kind of yes men, that sounds brilliant, but really dig into in a respectful and thoughtful way the different pros and cons of how something might need to be decided. I think all those things are things that have shifted and quite frankly shifted in a positive nature towards um, greater diversity of all types. And I think that's it's such a great segue. My next question was going to ask you what you might have been doing or have done to facilitate more diversity in the boardroom um, and the boardrooms in which you sit. Any thoughts there? I'm, I'm a huge believer that diversity in the boardroom creates a better board. Um, to me, it's, I mean, there's the, the research on it. Um, there's my personal experience with it. And it's kind of a no-brainer. So the question is, how do you get there? I think, you know, the most obvious place that I've impacted boardroom diversity has been on my own board. And so when I joined Puppet, we had a nine-person board. We had one other woman on the board other than myself who had to roll off because she was taking her company public, which is great. I was very excited for her. <laughs> All of a sudden, I was left with um, I being the only female on the board. And, you know, that wasn't the, the spot I wanted to be. So worked with the chair of my board on a very intentional plan, one to reduce the size of the board. I actually prefer smaller boards for a company the size of ours, but also to diversify it. And so we went through and we created a great list of 20 amazing leaders. Um, we narrowed it down to four that we interviewed uh, in depth, and we selected one fabulous female CEO. And the great thing is, is I knew I'd get a female in the seat because the 20 we started with were all women. And so I think there's a way you can very intentionally go after amazing candidates and diversify your board at the same time. I was able, also able to work with one of my strategics and get them to change out their board member, bring on an incredible go-to-market leader, um, who's female. And so now I have a board of seven and three of us are female. And it just changes the dialogue. In fact, I was talking to one of the longtime board members and he was commenting on how he'd never quite seen the same level of engagement on these different topics. And it's because there's more curiosity, there's more difference of perspective. And I think that's critically important. So first and foremost, I think we can start in our own backyard. But I've also done a lot to really bring forward female candidates for spots that you know are going to open on the boards you sit on or for the people that you know. And the thing to appreciate it, it's a long process. Um, it took me nine months to do the refinements to my board with a lot of work. Um, you want to, you know, influence non-gov decisions very, very early on. Get those candidates in there, cultivate them. It might take two years. But you have to start because it's, it's, a, it's a long process. It's a relationship-based process. And so by bringing more candidates forward, getting them in the mix, um, super important, and it's important to do it early on. Absolutely. So great to hear. It's, it's my belief that greater diversity can lead to greater innovation. And uh, I know that you and I know one another 
through Coco Brown with the Athena Alliance. And one of her favorite questions to ask board members is, what are you doing to bring innovation to the boardroom? And so I would love, Yvonne, for you to share thoughts around what you're doing and the types of things that you've done to bring innovation to the boardroom. Absolutely. You know, innovation is uh, such a powerful thing um, and so hard sometimes to quantify what it really means. When I think about, you know, innovation in the boardroom, I typically think about two related but different things. One is just from an expertise perspective standpoint. So on one of the boards that I work with, a lot of what I contribute is just the the thinking of Silicon Valley, of startups, of machine learning, of Kubernetes, containers, cloud native. How can you take a non-technical business and think about how software can transform that in interesting and innovative ways? And so there's that, you know, basic form of innovation in terms of bringing forward ideas and capabilities and industry trends and skill types and potential acquisitions that a company can do to really shift and and, and advance their business. The other type of innovation that I think is important is in how you actually run and structure board meetings. And one of the things that I've been a big proponent on in the boards that I serve is getting away from the piles of PowerPoint and these massive, you know, death by kind of reading, you know, what happens (laughs) and really make the boardroom discussion a discussion and an engagement. So for my own board, what we do is we do send out a very lengthy pre-read, but we actually assume, and I believe rightly so, that our board members read the pre-read. And so there's no need to go into it in depth. But instead, what we do is we pick one or two strategic topics that when we're in the boardroom together, we can really go and dive in deep and truly use that opportunity to debate, discuss, get input, and leave further down the the road than we started. And I think that's a shift from a more classical, let's review each, you know, function of the business, you know, and the numbers, and then we're kind of done. And so I'd say innovation comes on both sides, and it's been fun to be part of it. Excellent examples. Any other thoughts or advice that you have for our listeners on your path to the boardroom or, or uh, learnings along the way? I think one of the most important things that I learned along the way is it can be a long journey, and you know certainly it helps to have passion to to energize you along the way, be careful you don't get impatient. Um, I I kind of joke, you know, it's it's easier to change your job than your board, Uh, particularly if you join a public company board. Uh, It's not, you can't be on it for a year and a half and say, oh, I don't really like these people or I don't like the direction they're going or I'm too busy or wow, I didn't realize the financials weren't that great. (laughs) <laughs> so do your research ahead of time. Um, you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. So I would spend a fair amount of time when you have these opportunities, understanding who the CEO is, why they're doing what they're doing, what their personality is like. I'd ask when you interview the other board members, do your research on them. Ask them about the dynamic of a board. I actually was interviewing for one board and the chair of the board said, well, you know, 
it's been a bit toxic, but that's why we're doing this board refresh because we're trying to get these couple of folks off. Like, oh my God, I don't oh. want to sign up for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I would just say, be patient, do your homework, do your research. Sometimes if you're looking for that board seat for a couple of years, you get anxious and you want to jump at that first opportunity. But I just, I'd warn you to have a little bit of caution. Um, remember, it, it may take a while, but you're signing up probably for a good five, seven, ten years. So be thoughtful, be picky, you're worth it, and it will all work out. Such wisdom, Yvonne. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate your insights, what you're doing to bring diversity and innovation into the boardroom and for taking uh, your time to spend with us today. Greatly appreciated and certainly wishing you all the best. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for listening to BDO in the Boardroom. Past episodes and related insights are available at bdo.com slash BDO Boardroom. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting and the resources we provide, visit bdo.com slash bdo knows governance.